Well, hello, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership in ministry. And I think this is a really interesting topic because there's so much out there right now about how to lead in ministry. People are really into these principles we've learned from the business world. But I think we got to be a little bit careful. And we have to remember that the bedrock for leadership is always Christ and the Gospels. However, I, as much as anyone else, you know, I went to business school, I have an MBA, I value that education a lot. I know there's so much good we can take from the business world. So today's episode is how do we how do we take the best from business, but also marry it with what our Lord says about being a leader, what some of the saints say. It's a topic that we could tackle in days, but we're going to try to get the best we can in about 20, 30 minutes for you so it's digestible. So, um, you know, what do, what do you think about this this topic, Dan? I mean, because the church, the difference is we're not an NGO or not-for-profit. We are a living, breathing, spiritual organism. So why do you think some of the rules apply and some are a little bit different when it comes to how to how to lead for the kingdom of God? Well, I'll say this. Leadership is, is probably my favorite thing to talk about and to learn about. And I dedicate time every week to listening to good leaders and learning more about this because it's important to me. So whether I'm leading my family, leading at work, um, I, I just dig this stuff. I think it's cool. Um, and the, you know, the church is full of people and people look to leaders and people become leaders and people need leaders. And that's why it's important to talk about this. Yeah, I think you're right that as a Christian, we're called to not just lead in the workplace, but lead for the Lord in the vineyard and in, in ministry, um, lead in our homes. Um, the Lord's always calling us to mourn to virtue because what does he say? Let your light shine before others. So we're clearly meant to be leading in some way. And that doesn't mean we're a big leader up front like St. Pope John Paul II all the time. We might be a lead, lead in a way like St. Therese of Lisieux, modeling virtue that wins people over that you weren't discovered for Many, many years after your death, what a great leader you were, right? Yeah. And it, it, you're going to go in and out of leadership roles, and that's fine. Yeah. It's, you know, you might be called to do something very briefly, um, whether it's in the church, in the workplace, in your in your family, and we want to be ready for that when it comes. And um, I think it's one of those skills you will never regret having, <laughs> but you will always regret not having it. Yeah, I think I think deep down everybody's like, how can I be a better leader? And we should probably always be asking that question. So we're going to try to tackle this topic today. Um, like I said, we are going to get to some well-known business principles, but let's start with first things first. Let's start with our Lord. Okay, and I, I think I want to start with the most, the, the one that seems most at odds with leadership when we think of leadership in a secular sense. This is what our Lord says about leadership. He says, the last shall be first. He tells us to take the lowest place, and he says that we're to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So what do you think about this one, Dan? Why is why did our Lord tell us this? The last or first, take the lowest place, go serve. We know the washing of the feet as his example before his death. Why did, why did Jesus make such an emphasis on this? I think this is one of the easiest ones to... Uh, to harmonize with the way secular leadership approaches or kind of like the secular world approaches leadership rather um, because people are starting to recognize um, and I, the secular term for this would be servant leadership um, that uh, they're recognizing that 
if you enter with your own ego, with your own agenda, then you're going to struggle. And one of the, I mean, the reasons that come to mind for that off the top of my head are first, people don't buy into, into that. Like they might cower before you, but that just means you have servants. You don't have team members and they're not being led. They're being bossed around. And if you really want people to commit to a cause or to commit to something, then you have to give them a vision that they can buy into so that they have some intrinsic motivation. They're going to work harder. They're going to be more creative. They're not going to feel stifled in it. And so I think this one is a, I mean, for Christian leaders, obviously we're going to do what Jesus does, but I think that we can look to the secular world to see like, oh, wait, this isn't going to make us bad at our jobs. This isn't going to make us weak. This isn't going to make us somehow less competitive. The opposite, it will make you more so. If you can lead that way, and okay, are you going to lay down your lives for your employee in a in a literal sense? Probably not. But you know what that extends to is um, saying no to yourself in a lot of ways that you otherwise wouldn't. So I mean, there's there's phrases like "leaders eat last," right? And so um, what that means is, you know, kind of on the surface is like, okay, let's say you're at a a team dinner or something or a company dinner, and you uh, you notice that the food's getting a little bit low. There's people who haven't eaten yet you let them go first, right? But what if it's, what if you're not talking about a meal? What if you're, you're talking about people's needs it means you take care of people's needs before your own. And when you do that, you build a sense of camaraderie and, and team. Yeah. And I, I think, um, another, I, I agree with you that while this may look at face value as total opposite, because, you know, I think we're told a lot, you know, by the secular world is like, reach for your dreams, go for the gold, go for the top and just be so focused on that. And our Lord's is like, shh, 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 just look, start at the lowest, smallest spot. And um, it's actually, I think we see it play out in the world. So, you know, in leadership, I was just uh, seeing a video by Jordan Peterson. He was talking about the importance of virtue in a leader. We all know this. We look up to leaders that we want to emulate, and it starts with virtue. But if we have a boss that's the one cutting corners, that's the one showing up late, the one um, leaving early, we're not going to want to follow that person. Um, but we have to really embody as a leader what we want those we're leading to to do. And Christ did this perfectly. He was he was that walking, breathing example of how he wanted his followers to go. So that's the other thing about a leader is the bar is higher for us because we're under scrutiny. You have to be honest, you know, but but when when someone like I'll never forget like kind of what you're talking about Dan is laying down your life for your employee. So I'll never forget this one pastor I was working for. Um I came to him at the end of the day. I was a young youth minister and I needed his help solving a problem and he looked really tired, you know, I'm sure he'd had a very long day and I remember he helped me work through that problem. And then he, we called someone that I needed to speak with. And I remember him holding his cell phone across the desk for me so that I could speak into it and seeing his hand even trembling a little bit. And he doesn't even know the impact that had on me, but that little moment, just walking his, and all I remember is his hands just shaking a little bit, holding the phone. And I thought, wow, he's really like laying down his life for me so I can do what I do well. And that always, that always um, stood with me, Dan. So I think, you know, that's that's one of the lessons from our Lord here is that our our, our followers, the ones that we're meant to lead, are watching, right? So if we're always the one taking the lowest spot, if we're always the one serving, 
they're going to do the same and want to emulate that as well. I agree. Yeah, that's a great story. I feel like I, I might know that priest and so I'm imagining him doing it and it's in it it fits with his character and it's not surprising at all. Yeah, you know, and he did other little things like I remember the first time I was going to speak in front of a, a huge group of people about this new youth ministry we were starting and he just sat back and he just said to me, I think of the parable, a sower went out to sow. You know, he was always just kind of around as I look back, kind of just <laughs> whispering things into yeah, my yeah. ear. But now as I'm older, I yeah. can look back and really appreciate it. So, yeah. yeah, lay down our lives and take the lowest place. And then, but because part of this, Dan, and this is what's missing in some of the secular world stuff. Well, it's definitely missing in a lot of it. That's an act of faith saying, you know, what, Jesus, deep down, you know, I want to be there one day. Like, I really want to lead. And that's not a bad desire if it's not coming no. from a prideful place. However, it's saying, but I'm going to trust you, Jesus. You're giving me this little piece of the kingdom to serve right now. I'm taking a leap of faith that if I serve this little piece well, because he also promises us when you do little things well, he will give us more. It's an act of faith. Is it not, Dan? Instead of just taking it, taking the bull by the horns, as they say, and going and grabbing the top spot. I mean, there's an act of faith. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it's, um, I think what you just alluded to, like, do you go and grab the top spot or do you do you make an act of faith? Your motivation is key in this, right? If you're like, um, if you say, well, I want to, I want to be number one and, you know, let's say in ministry or in the church or something, that's not, um, that's you're, not you've right. got it backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the, what's your objective? If your objective is self-glorification, self-gratification, um, and I'll step back a second, like, um, I think it's always healthy to ask ourselves, how much do we identify with our job? Yeah. Do we, is our identity built off of our job title? Mm -hmm. And I think I've been um, lucky. Maybe this is one of the gifts God has given me. Um, I've never identified too strongly with the work that I've done. Mm -hmm. It's always been good. And I've, I've liked, I've seen uh, intrinsic value in the work that I'm doing to the point where I don't have to say like, well, I am this, you know, I'm, I've never been a youth minister, but I'm a youth minister. I have been a teacher. I'm a teacher. Probably early on, I did that as a teacher a little bit. Um, and what I, I learned is um, my happiness isn't dependent upon that position or that job title. And so I was able to kind of let that go. And I think if you tried to say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be number one in this one area, you know, I'm going to be the best speaker. I'm going to be the best DRE. I'm going to be the whatever. Um, that's not going to make you happy. And you are, then you're going to orient everything towards that rather than the mission of the church. Yeah. You're well, you know, that's one. Of, so I think in the secular world, sometimes it can work out just fine. If you're like, I'm doing this cause I want to be the best. It could work, but in God's enough, kingdom, yeah. in ministry, yeah. in the vineyard, that ain't going to work. And the Lord is going to work on you through that. I remember one time in, in business school, there was a group I wanted to be the lead of, and it was it was a Christian club that I wanted to lead, right? And that was my motivation. It was like, I want to lead this. And mm -hmm. I was humbled through that process. I was not chosen, though I would think on papers, like, my resume looks the best. Why am I not being picked? Blah, blah, blah. But it was God humbling me. And I look back at that experience, and it's like scales came off my eyes after a few months. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was so in the wrong of my motivation. So the Lord is going to be watching our heart too, right? He's not going to let us lead big things if our heart's not in a great place. 
and he's going to work yep. on us because he wants the, what's best for us. He says he will give us a clean heart. So he's going to work on our hearts, but he'll, he'll, he will reward us. If we're obedient to his, his will and the way he does things, he rewards us, but it's also at the same time, he's changing our heart. And then, the, then, then it comes, that's kind of been my experience. I don't know about you. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, now can you try to think, was there anything in, uh, in business school that you picked up on that was like so contrary to the gospel that you found shocking? Cause it, it seems like most of the time there's a lot of overlap and it's like, okay, yeah. Leadership principles are, you know, they'll work in any setting. Yeah. I think, you know, one piece of advice I heard once while there, um, and I had a fantastic uh, experience there. But one thing I heard once was when you're networking to be mindful of who you're doing that with, because that might affect your reputation. Um, so thinking about those in, I don't know, not in high esteem in an organization to be careful about that. But I was like, oh, that's kind of opposite of what Jesus says. Cause, cause Jesus says to go to the lowly, you know, to go to the outcast. So if there's an outcast person in your organization, you know, um, you're meant to go be with that person. Right. So I think, um, that was one that was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about that one. Another one was, I heard a real big speech once about bringing glory to yourself. And I was like, uh, nah, that, that ain't going to work in the Christian walk. So yeah, that's why I, I say most of it so good, but there's a couple things and it was just individual people saying these things that yeah. it's like, uh, we got to really discern that as a Christian. And we should always kind of have that Christian lens on and I think be discerning what we're hearing, right? Like I think you were going to yeah. reference something about that, right? Taking the good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we were kind of like brainstorming what to talk about in this episode and you asked the question like, okay, is there, um, does it always make sense to take stuff from the secular world? And, um, I would say the, the saint that I went to first with this and trying to understand this was St. Thomas Aquinas and the way he looks at everything and says, if this is good and true, then we're going to use it. And so I, th I think, we just hold everything up to scrutiny and say, does this fit with an authentic Christian worldview? You have a, um, you know, you, you have to have an understanding of how the world works. I think we all do that by nature. And, and when, when things rock us and shake our boat a little bit, it's, um, because that worldview is challenged. And so, um, when we come up to a leadership principle that we like, we can hold that up to our worldview and say, does this fit within our worldview or would this challenge us to change our worldview? If we have to change that worldview, do we do so in such a way that is consistent with Christianity or otherwise? So as long as it's not inconsistent, then I say use just about everything that's good. Mm -hmm. And um, like I'll, one of the my go-tos for... I would say like very practical leadership stuff is Jocko Willink, who was a Navy SEAL who revamped their leadership training programs, written a number of books and is involved in that space right now as kind of a thought leader. And he has this idea called um, decentralized command. And um, if you think of uh, World War II, the invasion at Normandy, he'll use the example and say every person who landed at Normandy knew exactly what the mission was. They knew what they were supposed to do. And um, they didn't need to always go and ask somebody. Whereas you, you know, just go back like a, a couple hundred years earlier, 
rather than the idea that, oh, soldiers might be smart enough to know what to do. You had this, uh, this aristocracy where you were an officer because you were uh, from mm -hmm. the privileged class. And then you told the, the, um, the non-officers what to do because you were smart because you had uh, a pedigree. Yeah. And you would, I mean, you can just imagine these <laughs> battlefields <laughs> with like, you know, rectangles of soldiers moving forward no matter what. And it, yeah. there was no great, like well, a great leader might move those groups around, but the individual pieces had no idea. And that is not the church. And Jesus preempted mm -hmm. that by 2000 years. And so um, to me, that's like the, one of the, the best examples of something you can port over easily and that fits within the Christian ethic. Well, let's think about in scripture, who does God call? Does he call the qualified or does he call those with character? And we see time and time again in scripture, he calls the person with the right disposition in their heart and, and, and works in them to accomplish great things. You know, you think about Moses, you think about um, the Virgin Mary, you know, you think about so many. And yeah. it wasn't like he looked at their resumes when he was choosing them, right? I mean, that's been said yeah. many times about who God picks in Scripture, right? You think about the calling of David among all his other brothers that were bigger and stronger. He picked David because he was a man yeah. after his own heart. So God's after our heart, always. Moses had a speech impediment. I think there's a Scripture passage where St. Paul basically says he's not that good looking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't remember where it is off the top of my head, but it probably is an easy thing to Google and find. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Peter was hot tempered. Yeah, but on that note, so you know, you referenced Jocko and how much you enjoy him. I let's let's now talk about one of those secular ones that is really great. A lot of people love this book. I'm reading right now. It is called Good to Great. Recommend it for everybody. And it's this fantastic study. It came out of a, a study where they looked at how companies performed in the market. They found 11 total outliers. Okay, just 11 that totally outperformed the market. And it, looking at them on paper, they're like. They had no reason to like the industries weren't very lucrative it wasn't the best timing but there was something that happened that made these 11 companies just jump leaps and bounds above the others what was it they tried to study it and again this book has sold millions and millions of copies we'll put the link in the show notes but the the neat thing is the first thing they talk about that they found that led to this transformation of these companies was what they call level five leadership and you know they settled on that name because they didn't want to coin it something that would come with people's, uh, let's say, uh, biases of what that might mean. They just said, let's call it level five leadership. And level five leadership basically comes down to two things. I love these things because they're challenging. These leaders had number one, personal humility. So it wasn't about them. When they were interviewed about the company, they just kept saying, oh, I was lucky. Oh, we had great people. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, this. Never like, well, I, I had this great five-point plan, and I was just so amazing at the time. No. Number one, personal humility. But then number two is professional work ethic. They worked really hard, like really hard. And I'm sure that inspired their employees. But this was kind of the secret sauce, this combination, personal humility and professional work ethic. I think those two things are essential to a great leader. What do you think about those two things, Dan? Uh, yeah, thinking of the the best leaders I've worked for, they have those two things. It, it, probably those might be like the, the characteristics that stand out the most. And the bad leaders I've worked for did not have one or both of those. I would say it seems like humility is the one that's a little easier to, um, if you don't have, you can still get promoted, right? 
if you're if you're hardworking. True, um, true. And maybe it's maybe it's the promotions that cause people to lose the humility. Mm-hmm. Um, but the I would say the best person I've worked for had great personal humility and next level level five professional work ethic Mm -hmm. and it was inspiring and it was um i I loved it absolutely loved it um so i think yeah this is an easy one like i think jesus one jesus embodied these Mm -hmm. um i think the you can take a lot of the the beautiful like just one-liners from scripture and see in those those um those short sayings these two ideas personal humility and professional work ethic yeah, you know, I think of uh, they always talk about like football players that well, they're the first one there, they're the last one to leave. And think about Christ, you know, I bet his disciples are probably so tired sometimes. And where's they wake up? Where's Jesus? And Jesus is off praying for strength from our Lord. Yeah, and he's up first. Yeah, he's last one uh, probably to return. You know, but I think what enabled him to work so hard, and this is where we can go wrong with this, is he knew it was God that would sustain him. So. Obviously, prayer and the sacraments sustain us. I was just listening to a great homily yesterday about how God will call us to great things, but we have to always remember God is the one who gives us the strength to accomplish them. So if we try to have super hard work ethic or even grow in humility out of pure, sheer personal will, that ain't going to work too well. But if we let God be the source of that, oh, yeah. And that's how we get these great saints we've had over the millennia, right? So that's the one thing I would add is just make sure it's it's God you're relying on to to build these two things in yourself. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Which kind of goes back to the, the earlier part of the conversation. Like, what's your goal? If your goal is, is building the kingdom and serving God, you're going to be okay and things are going to align. If you get uh, off base a little bit, you'll miss the mark. That's right. That's right. So God will recenter you. You need good people in your life that can also be a spouse that can remind you, hey, you're getting a little bounce here. You're getting a little prideful. That's always good. That's why confession is good. Um, all right. So let's go back to more wisdom from our Lord now. This is a weird one for a leader. I think it applies to him. He calls us to be childlike. He says, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Why do you think it might be important to be childlike as a leader? What can that mean? Yeah. So I'll, I'll first say... Um, I, th- I don't think he was talking about leadership here. Okay. Um, I think it was, you know, but, um, disciples are meant to, to do this, right? We are meant to be childlike now in what respect, right? Are we meant to be childlike in our finances? No. Are we meant to be childlike in our appetite? No. But in our faith? Yes. So how does that translate to leadership? Um, a child knows that it, it, receives what it needs from someone else. And I think when you're successful, you can, you can have the myth of self-sufficiency. Um, and the other thing, which I think is particularly helpful is, um, curiosity and wonder. And, um, when we have a childlike faith, we are, we, we, this is a, you know, an expansive topic, but we still marvel at, at all the things God has done and we're willing to ask questions and we're, we're also okay not knowing all the answers and we're okay with an answer that even if we don't perfectly understand it is still valid. Now, hopefully we are. 
Um, do those things poured over to leadership? Absolutely. Like I think if um, for a leader to constantly stay curious, to constantly stay um, open and thoughtful about about different opportunities, about people, about um, okay, what's the next move? That kind of stuff. I think that can lead to um, to great success. You know, with if you think where we are in the church right now, going back several podcasts, we did, uh, we talked about the book from Christendom to apostolic mission. And that book is, uh, advocating for an embrace of this idea that we are entering into a new apostolic age. And that's going to require some shifts and changes, which means creativity is a must. Like you, you, you don't come up with a good solution, um, easily. So we've got to work through it. So I think that's an area where to me, having a childlike faith is, is obviously the quality of a, of a good leader. I love where you took that, Dan, because that's not where I was going with it. But but you're right. Wonder and vision and keeping our eyes wide open. Um, I would say I do think Christ wants us to be childlike in our finances, though, in this way. It's like, what do I do with all this money? Daddy, what do you say? You know, go to Abba Father, go to Scripture. What, how does Scripture say I should handle my finances? What does Scripture say about how I should handle my appetite? Having childlike faith and just obedience can apply there. But I think um, when I was thinking about how to be childlike as a leader, one thing that comes to mind is recognizing the gifts and talents of the members of your team. I think sometimes as a leader, and maybe this is just the way my brain works, maybe some of our listeners is how their brain works, is when you're one of those planners and detail-oriented people, you will make such a great plan that you're like, this is clearly the plan. This is clearly how we got to move forward. But in a childlike way, you need to be able to listen to your team members, be open to surprises, put them in positions where they're going to be successful and also be able to let go of your plan in a way when you know God's calling you to, to, to let go a little bit in certain areas, right? Because I mean, I heard a great quote that um, it was in the episode with Tim last episode. Great episode last episode, folks, with Tim Glemkowski. But um, he was talking about how God, the Holy Spirit works best in preparation, right? So work hard and make those plans, but be childlike. Because you know there's going to be surprises from the Holy Spirit, right? When you're when you're going in a ministry or in doing events and things like that. So anyway, Dan, that's what I thought about with being childlike. You got to be just open, eyes wide open about the gifts of your team, where the Lord might be calling you. You got to be childlike in that way, I think, to be a good leader. Yeah, I think that works. You know, the, I probably went more towards childish. I guess in my, there you in go. my examples, there was a you, there was a good clarification you had. That's a good yeah. So childish would be. Oh, this plan's not working. I'm going to crumble it up and throw it in the trash. No, childlike yeah, is saying, to, "Oh, let me my plan. let me open up to what God is doing, but also know that yeah. God was working in the plans I was making." You know, I don't like. Mm -hmm. I find it funny when sometimes in ministry we work so hard, we pray, we put in all this effort, we analyze the data, and we make plans, and then the first time something's not going exactly how we want, we just want to throw it all away and we get nervous. It's like, do we not believe God was there in all those planning meetings we were praying for? He was. He's here now, too. It's just a yeah. continuation. It's like St. Patrick, Christ be with me, Christ before me, Christ above me, Christ. He's everywhere. So just remember yeah. that. Okay. So, Dan, I want to jump ahead in our outline here because we're getting near time. Sure. Yeah. But we only touched a little bit on this. We could we could do an eight-week podcast series on leadership. We're just trying to give some, some nuggets here for people yeah. to think about. What did we miss? You know, is there something you want to really share from the business world or from our Lord. Um, I got one, but I've been talking a lot. I want to let you go first on kind of like yeah, final point. It, 
it's tough. And I don't want to say one thing to the exclusion of the other. Um, I think we said this at the beginning. Um, everyone is a leader by virtue of our baptism, right? Priest, prophet, and king. Nice. Yeah. Um, those three things are leaders, right? In their own way. And if we are leaders, right? If the Lord has invited us into sh like sharing in the mission of the church, which he has, then it it's good to have leadership skills. So this might be one of those things. Like if, if you haven't read a leadership book, if you don't listen to leadership podcasts and you want to be involved in, in ministry and you want to, you want to help um, enter into that apostolic age and, and bring about a new springtime for the church, then um, leadership will not fail you. And you probably, I mean, you know, find a trusted book, find some trusted sources, ask your priest, ask your bishop, Hey, what leadership books or what leadership resources do you recommend? And that's my easy way of, of getting out of saying like, well, what are the three things I think every leader should do? Because I don't think there, it would be that easy. Um, although humility would, that would be uh, a really, it's, it's hard to keep that off any list. Um, mainly because that's what Jesus did. I mean, he embodied humility. Um, and so um, that's, that's probably my offering. How about you? Yeah, you know, so mine would be one, you know, I want to end by thinking about that quote Tim talked about in the last episode, that the Holy Spirit works best in preparation. Yeah. I think um, one key thing about leadership, though, is kind of like what you said, Dan, we should always be trying to grow in our knowledge and skills as leaders. You know, one thing I, I didn't mention earlier about the personal humility and professional work ethic, the book also explains really well what, what if this is level five leadership, what's one through four that's assumed before you get to five? And there are some hard-nosed skills to work on, including management skills, organizational skills. It's We cannot forget those things. We got to keep building the muscles, those kind of management muscles that help us be great leaders. So one, one little piece I want to hone in on is you can go back to one of our earliest episodes on ministry teams. We base that off Google's study of the top five yeah, habits, yeah. the five habits of their effective teams in Google. Mm -hmm. One that I've found time and time again, it's super simple, but super important. Teams work best when there is clarity in the roles. Okay. So when you got a team and say, it's just even a small team, like four or five people. And there's a couple people where their lines are blurring of what do you do? What do I do? And they're not clear. Your job as the leader is to make that clear. Here's what you do. Here's what I want you to focus on. Here's what I want you to focus on. Not creating silos. Okay. But these are your key areas of responsibility. These are yours. Here's how we collaborate. People are always like, I've always found Dan, when I help people think through that, they're like, oh, thank you. And so yeah. I just want to bring it back to that basic level stuff, you know? So go back and check out that episode as a good starting point. It's one of our first five episodes, I think. But clarity is, I think, essential. And that's a, a leader's job. One of my favorite quotes about leadership was always, a leader's job is to explain reality. Because if we're a pie-in-the-sky leader that's like just out there but not living in reality, we can't really move our teams forward. So anyway, I better stop or I'll just keep yeah. going because I love that this was stuff a, too. That was a great episode. I liked that episode. That one, especially because what we talked about, that Google study is really good. I'd recommend that one for everybody. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's a good one, helpful to everybody. And again, based on research. Um, yeah. So anyway, folks, thanks for listening. We hope this episode helps you be a better leader in ministry. We invite you to share it with others. Um, you know, we're always all trying to grow with leaders. We also invite you to email us if you think we missed something. Maybe we can tackle it in a future episode. Remember, we're at beingandmakingdisciples at gmail.com. 
So God bless. We look forward to to rolling out some more episodes this fall. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, may we uh, may we all go and be and make disciples. <laughs>